Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. Today's episode, we're looking at 2013's This Is The End. Written and directed by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Released theatrically June 12th, 2013. Six Los Angeles celebrities are stuck in James Franco's house after a series of devastating events just destroyed the city. Inside, the group not only have to face the apocalypse, but themselves. <laughs> based on the short film, uh, based on the short, Jay and Seth versus the apocalypse, which I had no idea of until we started researching this episode. Um, a much different take on uh, this story. But yeah, I remember seeing this. I was super stoked about it. Um, I saw it opening week or weekend. Um and, uh, you know, I'll be honest, it was one of those things where I saw this in the theater when it first came out and my expectations were through the fucking roof. They were so unbelievably high for this movie. Um, I love the cast. I love the concept and something that Seth Rogen had said very early on in one of, in, in his career was that he always, when it came time to make movies, he always wanted to do stuff like um, Ghostbusters. That was what influenced him the most as a kid growing up. And that Judd Apatow had recommended that he do more stuff like Superbad because that was more uh, smaller budget. It wasn't this weird comedy sci-fi hybrid. And that, um, you know, and I, I could understand that idea. Ghostbusters is a very ambitious film. But so is This is the End. So the idea that they had he had built up enough cred to finally kind of make his Ghostbusters. Um, that's what I was hoping that this movie would have been. And, you know, at the time, I'm not going to lie, I was a little disappointed seeing it in the theater. Um, I was just like, oh, that's it, and, and kind of walked away bummed. And it wasn't until I gave it a couple years that I rewatched it and, and loved it. And I watched it again for this week's episode and, and loved it even more. And uh, I think overall, it's, it's definitely a success. So you were you're younger than me, so I don't know where you were at when this came out. So you I I saw it opening day. Oh okay, and did and it come out on a Wednesday? I want to say it came out like yeah, it was weird. Like I remember being able to go see it, and I didn't have to worry about like the next day being like a Friday or something. Like it was uh, I don't know. I can't remember because usually on like Fridays I used to work like all day, so that was always like a. You know, we'd go see a movie at Thursday night, and then I wouldn't be getting home till like three or four, and it, it just always stayed that way. It I was a Wednesday. I, I just looked it okay. up online. Yeah, it was it was a rainy Wednesday here in Chicago. I can remember getting high as fuck in the parking lot, and then and walking into the theater, and that might have had something to do with it too, because this was back in the day where I would get stoned before going to the movies, and that doesn't always work out, especially if it's a longer movie, because you start to fucking fade about halfway through. Yeah, and, you know, you don't. Yeah. And I think that might have been that might have been what happened here, too. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, no, I. Uh, I, I really liked it. We fucking left our asses off in the theater. Um, It was. I, I mean, I just I was 20, like two or something like that at the time. So, like, I think I was. Uh, oh, no, 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 I wasn't 22. I was like 20. Um. Yeah, I'm 30 now. That was stupid of me. So it's been 10 years. It's already been 10 years since I've seen this movie. Sorry, I'm high right now. But um, 
Yeah. Uh, and the edibles that like I take, the gummies, they last like four plus hours. So like whenever I take a gummy now to go see a movie, usually I uh, I only do it when it's like the double feature. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is like sometimes my friends and I will go to like the movie theater at like 11 or 12, like in the afternoon. And we'll watch two or three movies for the whole day. And it only happens like once every couple of months, maybe even longer. But it does happen. And I always make sure like to pop one. Like usually I try to pop one about halfway through the first movie. Unless the first movie is going to be fucking like crazy, then I'll do it before. But uh, yeah, I like to do that. And then where our theater is located, there's like restaurants and bars built around the theater. So it's, uh, you know, you're, you're always going to be in a good spot. But during this time, I I think I may have had only like a beer or two because uh, it was after work when I'm, I went to go see This Is The End. Uh, I went with, dude, we went with like a party because it was like with people from work and uh, people's like girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever and just friends that were outside work, uh, you know, your actual friends. <laughs> and you'd go and dude, we could not stop laughing. The theater was just fucking loud. Uh, it was a good time. I mean, I think through the whole movie, I laughed harder and harder. Now rewatching it though, because I tip, I watch it every couple years, and I still will say this: I think I could make an argument to be my top ten favorite, like comedy movies. Maybe it'd be really hard, but I think I could put it in there. Um, so it's worthy of like definitely like top fifteen, top twenty comedies probably of all time and if we do just the the, you know y2k uh movie list like this is probably one of the funniest movies of the 21st century and i today it's a little different for me like i will uh i don't laugh as hard through the whole film i have like bits and pieces i like like i love the danny mcbride shit um he is him and craig robinson are my favorite characters but just right when everybody's waking up from the morning after and fucking Danny McBride and his like little montage of fucking <laughs> just being a piece of shit. I absolutely love. I just, you, you just can't, sometimes you just can't beat that. And I know a lot of people like, uh, I had some friends when we went to go see it and they were just like, do you think they were playing like who they really are in real life? And I was like, I actually think a little, but I was like, Danny McBride actually isn't an asshole though. <laughs> I was right. like, he's a really yeah. nice guy. And I was like, and he's also like a super, like, he's like really big into family. And like, he, he is definitely different from who he is on screen. And I think that he acts like that on screen because, you know, he gets to live that vicarious life and he gets, he can go in between. But like James Franco, I totally believe that like everybody else there, especially like Jonah Hill, I bet you Jonah Hill is like a little pretentious bitch. And, <laughs> Same with James Franco. Like, well, James Franco, you know, he, I mean, the shit with him, he's having trouble, legal he's trouble. Having, right yeah, yeah, he's having some, he's, yeah. And Seth Rogen did. He left his ass. He fucking dropped him. So. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because you you wonder, you see this movie and you figure they're all so close together because they made it. And. You know, you'd have to be friends to do this. Like, it's, you could, I don't know how Hollywood works, you know, but I would assume that, you know, this was, this is a little creative nonfiction, you know, 
But how, with, with all the Franco allegations, because I actually did have that in my notes too, because I used to absolutely adore James Franco. I did from, too. From his Faulkner, really yeah, his, Falk, his Faulkner adaptations to, um, you know, he tried to remake Cruising, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, yeah. and didn't couldn't get the rights to it, so he remade the, the footage, and Interior Leather Bar is this like weird 40-minute movie he made about him trying to make Cruising, and... It, it it works on its own. It's this little is this I don't even know how to explain it, but um he's done a lot of really interesting. he's made a lot of very interesting creative choices. And I appreciate that and I like that about him. But um unfortunately there's also a buttload of fucking very negative allegations, the scope of which I'm not even completely clear on, so I'm not gonna fucking comment on it too much, but um yeah, he definitely has not aged well. Um no. Which is a bummer. But the rest of the guys have. And I think you're right about Jonah Hill. Uh, especially when you... I don't know. Just... <laughs> I get that vibe off him, too. Like, it, you know... I, but I think they're all leaning in. Like, he's leaning into that. Like, when he's praying oh, yeah, for, for, for sure. Jay's death. And he's like, Jonah Hill, Moneyball. You know? Like, he was the first to try to be a serious actor. And Seth right. Rogen's serious... Like, his serious role really didn't come until... The Fablemans this year, I feel I could be wrong. Maybe there was something else, but that's when he did his Spielberg flick, right. which w- was just him like turned down to two. You know, um, I I totally get what you're saying about McBride. I mean, I think I, I we talked about this last night when we were texting, but like I love him so much because he's an idealized version of myself. Like, who doesn't? I know you know that you see these memes go around about like oh if you idolize this person you're you're missing the assignment like you shouldn't be idolizing Ramona Flowers or like like Rick Sanchez or like these characters and from from media that people idolize and they don't understand that they're bad characters. I'm sorry, I want to be fucking Kenny Powers. I try to be the most <laughs> Kenny Powers that I can be at any fucking time. You know what I mean? Like you know that just fucking. It's even better because for me, <laughs> Kenny Powers was filmed in my backyard. You know what I mean? Eastbound and down. That's filmed in Wilmington. Yeah. But so like, he would go like I have friends that were extras in that. And they would tell me all the time, like because they were kids, you know, because they were doing baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it I think that was made either like I was in high school. But uh, I think when it first started, I was like a freshman or a sophomore. And I knew about it, but I didn't have, it's on HBO, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have HBO at the time. You know, it was a, I was poor. So <laughs> we didn't have all that cool shit, but, uh, I had friends that were like going up to, uh, like be in the background and play and all the, he's, uh, my friends were like, yeah, we just went, we played baseball and Danny McBride would come out and he'd like sign balls and he would like hang out with us. And he was like, dude, it was one of my friends was like, uh, he didn't know his father. And he said it was the closest point of his life ever to feeling that he had a father. And that is one of those moments that like, I like right now I'm about to start laughing because it's just so fucking funny. Cause it's Danny McFucking bride. And, <laughs> but that's how nice he was. And he said, he probably didn't even know his name. Now, obviously my friend is probably, you know, fucking making a joke, mm-hmm. but like, Come on, like Danny McBride is like, dude. I don't even think he's on any social media, and he, I, I'm pretty sure he has a house, uh, around Wilmington, and I, I've been trying to look it down because I'd fucking love to just act. Oh, I'm so sorry, I accidentally ran into. Oh, 
Mr. McBride, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, oh, let me grab your newspaper for you, sir. Like, I don't know. Like, just, I think it'd be cool. But, uh, and he did a lot of, sh- and then Halloween was also filmed in Wilmington. So he did a lot of shit with Halloween. And I just, I'm happy that he's around here. But, uh, I think him and, and Jody Hill and Ben Best and that whole creative crew on that, I think they're from North Carolina. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure Danny McBride yeah. is, I think he's from Fayette or something like that i can't remember yeah he's um, on, i didn't see the first season it had already it had already aired and was over with and it was i was actually at my birthday party that year and two of my friends were talking about it and i was like what are you guys talking about and they're like oh you got to watch it he's and down uh what's his name who uh, uh will ferrell's in it oh yeah will ferrell. dan mcbride you know he plays a uh, like a alex rodriguez that i mean which i don't know anything about baseball, but I, I don't think he was saying like Alex Rodriguez acts like that. I think he seems like prolific pitcher that just kind of takes a hard left turn and ends up a um, ends up a uh, substitute gym teacher. <laughs> and I went home like the next morning. I woke up and I watched the whole first season in one afternoon. And uh, the woman that was now my wife was my girlfriend at the time. And I remember she came over that afternoon and I was like, you got to watch this. I'm like, this is just like, like this guy's just like me and his girlfriend, uh, Katie, the April Buchanan, Katie Mixon. I always tell my wife, like she looks exactly like her. She doesn't exactly, but uh, it's a compliment that I pay her that she kind of plays along with. She's like, okay, I get it. Maybe a little bit, but like, (laughs) I'm like, it's just like us. And look at her. She looks just like you. And this is fucking look at the shit he does and <laughs> all this stuff. And uh, then, like, at the end of the second season, when you find out, like, he was having a kid, like, that's, like, right when I found out I was having a kid. So then I thought that, like, my life and fucking. <laughs> I can't even say this shit Kenny out loud. Yeah, like, we're on the same fucking trajectory or some shit. Like, I don't know. It was, I just, I love. I, and then the fucking. The, the last episode of season four because season three kind of felt like it was supposed to be the end or whatever mm-hmm. where and i went where he fakes his death and i was like yeah. that's fucking lame but <laughs> then they came back and that last episode when he sits down to write his fucking memoir and he envisions his future and like first he's like april dies of a heroin overdose and he's on he's a homeless person with a cardboard piece of cardboard that says we'll freestyle for food and then fucking the future when he's living in africa and there's his kids are on fucking hover bikes and he's got like that new family with like black women and shit and i was just like this i fucking i just i I, oh my god i love it so much and he and and not say danny mcbride isn't playing Kenny Powers to bring it back to this is the end. He's not playing Kenny Powers and this is the end, but he's playing because Kenny Powers is redeemable. Danny McBride is not. Yeah. Um, but there's shades of that. And I think that's kind of when you say about like, are they playing themselves? Like he knows the persona that he's going for. And same thing with Franco. Like he knows what people think of him. He's going to lean into it. Same thing yeah. with, uh, what's his Jonah. name? Jonah. What's funny about Craig Robinson is that right around this time, Craig Robinson got arrested for driving around in Chicago with crack. And <laughs> they didn't did, that. Yeah, they didn't mention that at all. They made Michael Sarah the fucking crackhead. No, that <laughs> Which, shit was fucking funny. <laughs> that, I know that. He's actually slapping Rihanna's ass. 
<laughs> and I have... <laughs> have, have you, did you hear about that story? No, that, no, no, no. So, so while they're making the movie, uh, it used to be Michael Sarah was like faking slapping her ass, but the camera angle was just really fucking weird. So they asked her, "Hey, can he actually slap your ass?" And she said, "Yes, as long as I can actually slap him across the face." So every so they took I can't remember it, they took a lot of takes like a painfully a lot like amount of takes, and they used the first one. <laughs> but they kept doing it because Rihanna kept slapping him harder and harder. It's just to make him get fucking smacked around. <laughs> yeah, just so Michael Sarah gets fucking smacked around. And I mean, dude, she was smacking the shit out of him. Like, to the point where they were saying, like, some of the takes they couldn't even take because it was like, he was like, really, like, fucking cussing and, like, calling people some names. And I was like, that's so fucking funny. So that means the reaction that he gives from being slapped in the face, that's real. Like I have, him saying like what the fuck like he was like like he was like actually feeling pain. And I have, uh sorry, real quick, just before I forget, my one of my other favorite parts of this movie is whenever they walk uh Jay walks in in the bathroom. In the bathroom. That is dude, and he's getting <laughs> fed and gives. like getting his ass like licked and like he's like sip time. Like dude. <laughs> Top three moments of the movie. That that sure. look he gives, that fucking dead-eyed stare. Dude, I have... it's it, it it's like, <laughs> dude, he did like he didn't have a soul. He was like just fucking looking into his eyes so hard, it made me almost feel like uncomfortable. I was like, dude, this guy's cracked out. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> I, I I have been both Michael Michael Sarah and Jay at that party. I have been both. <laughs> I, I have been the fucking dude. Actually, when the Wednesday show comes out, I tell I tell more of the story. But like when I went to uh, Lake Geneva this weekend for Gary Cat, I the first night I was there, I was fucking Michael Sir. Minus the fucking cocaine, but I mean, just like a goddamn werewolf. You know what I mean? That drink yeah, that bottle. Drink, of, <laughs> I was gonna say you drink a whole fucking bottle, man. A Woodford Reserve and, and smoke that Ric Flair weed. It was fucking over. You know, like woo, and then put they put on dancing, and I go, who's who's air. Airbnb is this credit is 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 uh whose credit card is this Airbnb on? My my buddy Bo said mine, and I took out my lighter, and dancing was playing on the background, twist of cane, and I said, "I'm sorry, Bo, but we're gonna burn this motherfucker to the ground," <laughs> and then turned around and face planted into a fucking wall. <laughs> so as you know, I'm bringing my I, I'm I'm cooling my jets to Withville. But so I'm I'm going on the fucking cure to Withville, but I expect the fucking same results when we get together at Withville this year. Um, just burning down the hotel. Th- yeah, fuck that place, that whole entire town. We're gonna raise it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean this. So the the party scene is awesome because of the cameos. It was great to see Kevin Hart. I think like in just this like tiny little. Well, he's a short guy, but like a, a real little role because that had to have been before he popped. Like now he's like the most. Like the most successful stand-up comedian of all time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And in and in, in this, he's got like a couple lines, and and that then he falls into the fucking hole, and that's that. Yeah. Um, Even like Paul Rudd showed up for like just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I liked the uh, you know, kind of the stunt casting, I guess. All the cameos they got for that opening scene that worked really good. You know, I did one of the uh, one actor that that is Emma Watson, who was on the po his name is mentioned on the poster and she's got a little bit more of a role than everybody else but i guess there was a lot of drama with her um 
where she felt very uncomfortable during the making of the movie, especially the Channing Tatum stuff towards the end. And she didn't actually filming the rest of her role. She was supposed to pop back up at the end too. And, um, didn't had to leave the set because of the Channing, Danny McBride, Channing Tatum stuff, which is kind of odd. Like, I don't know. I don't know the really specifics there. I had just read that online today. But the Danny McBride, Channing Tatum stuff feels like so much good fun. I can't imagine somebody being upset by that. <laughs> but I guess uh, a British people I thought, were. I, I, yeah, I didn't think that was bad at all. Actually, whenever I first saw the movie, we laughed pretty hard at that scene. But we all thought it'd even be funnier if it was uh, Dave Franco, baby Franco, James Franco's <laughs> little brother. We all, because during that time, well, during that time, uh, him and Channing Tatum were in 21 Jump Street. And oh, okay. we were like, could you imagine if Dan... Because, you know, the whole point of the movie, like, or one of the plots in the movie is that, like, Danny McBride and James Franco have this fucking... Well, James Franco hates Danny McBride. Right. I don't think... Danny McBride doesn't give a fuck, right? So, right. so <laughs> how funny would it have been if he's like, yeah, I slip in this little asshole. And then, and like, he, fucking... he demascus and he goes, hey, brother. Hey, bro. Like, hey, and goes, Dave? And everybody's like, oh, that's so fucked. Like, oh, that, that would have been very, very dark. And not been... only that, then he he goes and tries to save, like, Dave, but everything still happens. So he still gets eaten by the cannibals. He still gets, like, yeah. fucked over, thought that he was going to ascend, does not because of his Tom Pettiness. <laughs> and, dude, yeah. No, that, uh, Danny McBride's whole story arc is like full circle i fucking love it it's great uh craig robinson's i like his a lot but i do obviously i wish he was in it more but uh i'm happy that he didn't that he was somebody that like went to heaven (laughs) survived he's got the he's got one of the best lines in the movie when uh so so they're at this party in la and if you i'm sure you've seen it but just for clarification so they're at this party in la and the the, the story really centers around seth rogan and jay burchell 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 whatever and um they're a lot they're long time friends they're canadians and seth rogan has become much more successful and popular in hollywood and um jay is still doing all right and i want to talk about a project that that he did in a minute that have you ever seen goon yeah Goon is fucking awesome, and he wrote that, and I would love to to do Goon sometime with one of my buddies who's an ex-hockey player. Um, but So Jay's kind of had his own success. Seth Rogen's obviously Seth Rogen. Jay comes to L.A. to visit Seth. They go to the party at James Franco's house, and the apocalypse breaks out. So most of the party, it feels like a pandemic movie, although clearly it's 10 years old. It was way before the pandemic, because it's just the, the core cast of uh, six actors inside what's supposed to be James Franco's house. They're not really sure what's happening outside um, until later on in the movie when they go out and we, we see the demons and we see all the, you know, the stuff that's kind of going on. There is a rapture scene that happens in a convenience store that, that, that predates the, the destruction. And that was handled absolutely wonderfully. And I really wish that they had gotten a chance to do more sci-fi stuff because you know the uh, them being beamed up to heaven at the end and kind of like destroying part of Satan, like that was cool. Um, 
parts of the the monster design though like not to be fucking nitpicky everything just looks burnt you know what i mean like nothing the monster design wasn't necessarily great it reminded uh, me of doom yeah it, it well which is kind of a similar concept um yeah you know i i that i wish that was a little bit more i think and that was the kind of stuff i was disappointed with was i knew that there was going to be this super the supernatural bent to the movie but really, it's just kind of them in the house and, you know, trying to, they have the different friendships and no one really likes Danny McBride and he ends up being an asshole and they kick him out. And, you know, they, these guys aren't really religious people, so they kind of have a grasp of what, it takes them a long time to really grasp what's happening and, you know, trying to get the path of redemption. And then in the last about half hour, you have Jonah Hill get, get possessed by a demon uh, you have Craig, there's a, they go next door for food and there's a big doom type pinky thing running around and then they, they run out into the, in the streets and that's kind of when the, the climax happens. Um, right. but yeah, the, the, the crux of it is them in the house, which I, at the beginning of the show, I did bring up the, uh, short film it was based on. Did you get a chance to watch that? Yeah, I did. So what did you, so Seth and Jay versus the apocalypse was something that they made right after knocked up. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just this idea that they had, and they kind of threw it to a buddy of theirs. And um, he wrote up the screenplay in a couple of days, and it looks like something they shot probably in a day or two. And it's got this the basic premise of Seth Rogen's in it, as well as uh, Jay Rochelle. And it's got the conflict between the two of them. But it's much darker, and uh, it's more of a downer. There's a lot of cockroaches. Yeah. And um, it was interesting. It's interesting in its own right. And if, if you've seen This Is the End, but you haven't seen Jay and Seth versus the Apocalypse, it's only about eight minutes long and you can watch it on YouTube. So I would really recommend checking it out. It's it's worth the watch. And it's interesting to see how that was the kernel that became This Is the End. It's, it, it's a lot darker and um, it has a very different ending. But uh, still very interesting, you know. And um, the one one of the questions I want to ask you is that so this was written and directed by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, and this I was kind of like one of the first projects that they were able to do post Super Bad, where they kind of became this like producing team that like made shit, right? Did um, they do Pineapple Express as well? No, well, no, because Pineapple Express was. Oh, you're gonna make me look that up. That was uh, that was directed by, um, that was directed by. I want to say that's, that's, uh, David that Green. David, yeah, I was gonna say wasn't that right. Halloween? Yeah, yeah. And it was written by uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, but also Judd Apatow. And um, so it kind of, but it was it, it wasn't like. It wasn't like what we have now where we have Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg doing The Boys and they did Preacher and they have all these projects now that they're kind of launching. And uh, another project that they did that I just wanted to bring up kind of tangently real quick. Did you, Have you ever seen Future Man? No, I haven't. Okay. Of all their projects, Preacher, I read Preacher and um, was a very, was a big fan of it. And... Um, I think they did okay with the TV show. I think they probably did the best they could. Very hard book to adapt, but I, I, I would not give it a you know. Oh, I've a seen a little bit of Feature Man. 
Okay, I've seen a little bit of Future Man. Future Man, the first season was absolutely incredible. It's with um, Josh Hutcherson, and uh, he's the big name in it. And there's some other people too, but uh, it's it's basically about a, a video game kid that um, it's kind of like The Last Starfighter. He's really good at video games, so the people from the future kind of try to recruit him to fight this fucking war. And it's got Shades of Terminator in it, but it's absolutely fucking hysterical. And the first season is like, I saw the first season of that, and it was like watching Eastbound and Down, and you're like, oh my god, this is going to be like the next big fucking thing. I absolutely love this. It's great. The second season was kind of disappointing. And uh, I just saw in researching this episode that there was a third one too, and it's all on Hulu. Um, Future Man. I would. I haven't seen the third season, so I can't vouch for it. But I'm hoping that they redeem themselves. And uh, the first season is probably worth checking out. So this was another. This was another idea that they produced, and they kind of came up with. They're, they they weren't the showrunners on it. They didn't write and direct every episode, but um, them they're like production package or whatever. Uh, that is, if you like, this is the end. Check out Future Man. I guess is what I'm saying because this, this is the end. Is the beginning? Is kind of like these two starting to really start cranking out content together. Right. And uh, I'm digging most of it. The Boys is awesome. I think that might be the only show that they have active right now, unless I'm missing something else. But did you watch The Boys? Yeah, I watch. I, I really like The Boys. Yeah, I read that comic too, and, the, and I'll say the the their TV show improves on the comic, and the comic is um, from the same writer Garth Ennis that did Preacher, and then oh, they did Invincible. That's right. That's fucking awesome. They did Sam I, and I like Invincible. Pam and Tommy, the uh, Pamela Anderson and uh, Tommy Lee. Yeah, I knew Seth Rogen was a part of that. Yeah. I mean that was pro- that was a pretty pretty decent. Yeah, that was really good. And then um Oh, they got the new Ninja Turtles movie coming out, which <laughs> good for them. <laughs> I'll check that out. And Sausage Party, which I think is probably we we started talking about recording this is the end because we had done Pineapple Express. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't mind doing Sausage Party because that was that was really fucking solid too. That was something I did not see coming. I saw that in the theater and was like jaw on the jaw on the fucking floor the entire time. <laughs> yeah, whenever I saw that one in theaters, I, I laughed a lot. And then whenever I saw it at like the house, it wasn't as funny. Like I just kind of, it just kind of, I don't know. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't. It wasn't as funny as I remember it being. And I think I was like in the moment with it. You know what I mean? There was definitely shock value because I don't think anybody expected it to be that graphic. And uh, they have a miniseries coming out with it too, which uh, I will definitely be watching. So any other notes on this is the end? Yeah. So uh, it was definitely one of those movies where you could tell that a bunch of friends came together and they basically ad-libbed everything and it's just something that i think whenever i do see this movie like i'm happy it exists i'm happy that at one point these group of friends could come together and make something like this and even 
to the point of ad-libbing and improvising probably more than 50% uh, of their shit. I'd probably say that, like, I don't know, it's one of those things that I, I wish more movies were like this. I, you know, Pineapple Express was also uh, improvised. I, I actually want to say most of that movie was improvised. And look how good that one was, right? Right. And obviously, you're, uh, you're not going to have too many comedian groups do something like this. Maybe Broken Lizard, you know? It seemed like Super Troopers was probably done that way. But it is hard to see this happen. And especially with the turn of events that have happened with that whole group of friends, you know, we may not get for a while another movie that was, it, that just clicks so together and that everybody has uh, like a, a chemistry with each other. And it kind of sucks. But, uh, <laughs> you know, shit happens. <laughs> well, don't 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 cry because it's not here anymore. Smile because it happened in the first place. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it's a big fucking swing, and I love I love big swings. I love Halloween ends. I love uh, unconventional sequels. I love Gremlins too. You know what I mean? I love I I like this because I obviously I like comedies. Um, I like apocalypse movies. You know, and uh, this was a interesting take on. Uh, the apocalypse. It was. I don't think you've seen the rapture too many happen too many times in movies outside mm-hmm. of like uh, the Left Behind. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Um, so this was. It was neat to see the rapture, which is a which is a very uh, you know the, the very Christian thing, and um, it was funny to see that. It was funny to see that by like a, bu- a bunch of like. I don't want to, this is going to sound like atheist Jewish people, or you know what I mean? Like not really religious people. And they did a very pro religion movie. Uh, I mean, the, the the mythology of this movie is that Christianity is absolutely correct, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny in and of itself is that, you know, um, not that I, I I don't know what these people believe in in real life or, or anything, you know, but just the fact that they would, that's what they would do. That that would be the uh, kind of the the engine of this movie is that okay? Everything in the Bible is real, and then this happens, and you know people get raptured, and then there's still a chance for salvation, but they have to change their heart and they have to be free forgiving and they have to put others before themselves. And if they do all that, then they can go to heaven, which is a very traditional view of heaven, with the exception of the Backstreet Boys and stuff, you know, which some of those Backstreet Boys did not look happy to be there. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you know, they look. <laughs> I, I won't say which ones because I don't know the fucking names of the Backstreet Boys. But that old guy with that old one with the goatee, he was like, I was gonna say the one in the ones in the back. Yeah, the we're ones like, in the back. We're like, why are we here? fucking doing this? Yeah, well, but yeah, maybe they that's call the thing. new kids. <laughs> maybe maybe they're supposed to be uh, like serious like that. It defines his jaw. Like I mean, his goatee was very defined in that moment. God. You know what I mean? Don't so. you wish? Don't you wish you had you you had the fucks to uh, actually groom your facial hair that uh, precisely? Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have enough I fucks for do. that. I actually do. I actually like. No, no, I'm saying I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> like I really do wish that. Uh, no, mine kind of grows. Well, I have to keep it relatively, you know, short. Sometimes I let it get a little too long. Uh, for like a kitchen status, but like, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, 
I, I try to keep it up. I've noticed that when it's closer to my face, because I do have a beard, when it is closer, uh, it does look better. And then when it's it when it's thicker, it uh, I need to have like shorter hair because if it's thicker with even like just a little bit longer hair, I, it just looks all raggedy and shit. So it just looks like I'm a homeless dude. I'm you know, you know what you need. Manscaped. <laughs> I have manscaped. Are you guys? Is that is that still going? Is that you guys still doing from? Well, let's fucking talk about that. We never got paid. Really? Never got paid. And I, I well, first of all, I and this isn't me talking shit out of school or nothing, but that I mean that came through her. Like I don't, you know, all, all the stuff on that show that doesn't come through me. No one talks to me. They talk to her. Right. And they had come to her with this, uh, you know, do it. And this is the promo code you use. And if you get this many sales, then we'll send you guys each of these kits for free. And then if you get more than this many sales, then you'll get a percentage of that. And we'll sit down and we'll work out a, uh, a sponsorship contract with you or whatever. Yada, yada, yada. And um, so, we all right. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. And we both got our kits. I got mine. I got a, a fucking buttload of shit. Yeah, I remember when you got it because we were yeah. talking about all the grooming shit. <laughs> and then, yeah, so then we we uh, went, we pimped it out for like we had a month to to kind of sling the promo code, and we did that. And um, I mean, whatever we whatever the the we we had to get like it was not a lot of sales. It was like it was like six sales is all we needed. And I know we got that because I had people messaging me saying, "Oh, I got it." and you know, I did this, and this is what I got, and or you know, what uh, Cassie, she was like, I got, you know, I was gonna buy X amount of shit, and I split it up into three different orders on three different days, so I could use the promo code three different times and shit. So I, I know we hit that six, and then when it ended, I, I said, okay, well, what happened? And she goes, I haven't heard anything, and I'm like, okay, and like a month went by, and I was like, did we ever hear anything back from them? And she's like, no, but I've talked to other podcasts that have had the similar deal with them. And that's kind of what they do is it takes them a couple months to review it. And this was like, wasn't this like in November or something? November. Like, yeah, it was. Because, it was like right before uh, Christmas. Yeah, because we were going up to Crypticon. And it was like on those episodes because uh, we were listening to you guys on the way up there. And Matt could not stop fucking laughing at the shit you were saying. <laughs> Like, you're like, dude, there was a, at one point I was driving and I like, I was laughing, but like him laughing made me start laughing even harder. And then you would say some fucking like nonsense shit. And I think at one point you guys started talking about how, like, do you use the same like razor on your like pubes on your face? And you were like, no, but I just got it. So I haven't used it on my pubes yet. So I just use it on my face. It was just so funny. Like the way it was presented or something. I don't know. But, like, at one minute, I had to, like, I almost pulled over because I was, like, not able to, like, open my eyes. It was it was so fucking funny. And, yeah, I actually thought about that not too long ago. Yeah, we I was never. Like, Did they ever get that? So, no, we, like, we never, we, I mean, I'll, I'll reach out to her. I'll, I'll fucking text her tonight. But, um, yeah, I, so then probably right after Christmas, because it was, like, okay, so the, the promo ended, like, the first week of December or something or like, or in like right on the holidays. And it was like, all right, I kind of just, I knew it was going to take a little bit. And then after the first of the year, I was like, well, whatever happened with that? And she's like, well, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, well, we really, we should figure out because if this is an opportunity, I definitely want to pursue it. And 
um, you know, I know that we must have done whatever the obligation was. So like, you know, and it's not about me getting whatever little percentage of cash they were going to fucking throw us. Like, it's just all that's going to just go towards t-shirts or stickers. I'm like, I would, I just want to know, like, if we were given an assignment, I want to know personally and professionally if I was able to generate those sales, because as a salesperson, as a content creator, as an entertainer, I want to know how effective I am. And, um, she goes, all right, all right, I'll, I'll message them and see what we hear back and we haven't heard anything. So I I think that might have been dead in the water. Like, we might have done the six, but I don't know if it was enough to where, or who knows. It could be in our fucking spam folder. I'm not talking shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. Right. You know, that's the thing is I don't, I don't control any of that stuff. So it's whatever, you know. Or maybe they did reach out to us and, and she didn't think it was worth it or it was, you know. Too much, uh, too much hassle for not enough money, and you know it's 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 shitty trying to sell. I'm I'm not good at monetizing things. I like making things. I like I like doing stuff. I like you know producing, but I don't like then having to turn around and tell someone like you need to pay me for this. You know, I'd rather people just enjoy it. You know, yeah. So I I'm the. I'm the last person. Like, if anyone ever comes to us about fucking selling popcorn on the show or something, I don't know what. But uh, you, you just handle that and tell me, <laughs> tell me what the promo code is, and I'll come up with the fucking slogans. Right. But, uh, you know, I gotcha. I uh, some of the guys were trying to get me to record like an ad uh, from Spotify on Blue Room, and I'm just like, yeah, but then there's gonna be like this. You know, I get to cut out something. It, like to me, it's the flow is not going to be right. And half of the podcasts I listen to, I'm all Patreon subscribers do. So like, I don't listen to the ads. I just listen to the content, and right. and I support them by I'll rate the shows and stuff. But like, I support them by being on their Patreon. You know, my mm. money's going directly toward to them. I'm cutting out that middleman. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it. I don't see why not. I was I kind of wanted to do it for like a like a so a couple ads just so that whenever I start buying uh more shirts or you know merch for the podcast, I don't have to spend just all, you know, like my money on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, at the same time, I just don't know where I would put it. You know what I mean? Like I would probably put it like on Wednesdays you guys have it right at the beginning. But I think I'd probably do it sometime in between. I don't know. That's, I mean, that that's an interesting idea is doing the, like, the commercial breaks or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, you listen to other people's podcasts and you hear what they do. And, you know, Mark Marin kind of does an intro before his interviews where he'll read off a couple ads or whatever. Uh, telling Steve Dave, which is a podcast I used to listen to a, a whole ton they sprinkle theirs throughout the show um it's not a bad way to do it because it sneaks up on you and usually you're about a third of the way into the ad before you realize that they segued into an ad you know which is a really effective way to get people to really listen to your fucking thing if you know that the first 30 seconds of every episode is going to be ads the first minute whatever then you're just going to skip that you know whereas if it's kind of integrated throughout the content it's easier to to kind of hit people over the head with it. Um, 
I would rather, you know, I I would rather write ads than have to argue with ad com with product companies about paying me. I would rather write Apple reviews for other podcasts than have to get on here and ask people for Apple reviews. You know, I just yeah, I don't know. I don't I, I care cuz I want I want things to be as successful as possible, but at the same time like I'm not I don't know. <laughs> I, I get you, man. I, I get it. Maybe that's the reason I'm not like overtly successful with any of this, <laughs> because I like that I like that uh, Seth Rogen, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh God, I'm fucking this up. Who's the uh, Jonah Hill instinct? Oh yeah, <laughs> too much like Jay, just hanging out in Canada, smoking oh, weed and playing fucking, fucking video games. Yeah. And then you find oh. out that uh, he's just a, as big of a piece of shit as the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, fucking lying to his buddies. Don't don't even want to hang out with them anymore. But oh, best line in the movie, and then and then we can close it up unless you got something else you want to talk about. Craig Robinson, when they're all sitting around and they and they kind of figured out what happened, what's going on now, right? They finally like connected the dots, and. They're like, well, why are we left behind? Like, we're good people. We're actors. We bring joy to people's lives. And Jay's like, yeah, but we also do it for a ridiculous amount of money. Like, more money than we should really be paid for doing what we do. And (laughs) Craig Robinson is like, I got to sit on a beach and pretend like I'm hot when really I'm cold. (laughs) And he's just, (laughs) he like just mutters. Yeah. This fucking shit, and I can't even reproduce it with the same comedic effect. You just gotta watch it. But no, it's, it, it's true. That is one of the best lines in the movie. It made me laugh so fucking hard, and it was just you knew he imp- you know they didn't write that shit. It was right. him improving and just doing this like muttering like, and it was oh, in the movie movie like you said, the, the that's kind of the beauty of this movie is that it's lightning in a bottle. They'll never yeah. be able to get all these people. Some of these people they can't get together again, and. It, it, they'll ne- you know something like this only comes around every so often where you're actually able to pull something like this off and right. it's, it's a remarkable movie and i'm glad that they swung for the fences and i'm glad they did the high concept comedy uh and i i definitely recommend this movie i yeah, love it i don't know what would be my favorite line of the film uh i feel like there's a couple that comes to mind um one being when they're uh, pickaxing like the floor and they're all fucking yelling at each other and uh there's two parts well it's it, it's all like one scene but it's the scene where like the jack off scene is like yeah. do you make he goes yeah i made jizz in your magazine <laughs> like dude that shit is just so funny and he's like talking about the fucking ipads in the wall but to top it off the fucking cherry on it when he starts walking away and says, like, come on, Danny, turn around. He goes, I've, I've walked too far. I can't turn around now. And he goes, that's not true. He just, come on. And he's just like, just turn around. And he just fucking slips around the side and says, just like, Daniel? <laughs> and he's just like by himself. But it's just the fact that Danny McBride's just like, I've, I've walked away too far. I can't turn back. Like, who the fuck says shit like that? Like, I've walked away too far. I'm not turning back. That and was just like, yeah, that shit was funny. There, there's a, there's a gag like that in Eastbound and Down where he's yelling at his brother. And he goes, I'm not angry at you anymore. I'm really sorry for what I did, but I can't stop yelling because I don't feel like I lost the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just funny. Um, oh. And then I would probably say the exorcist scene was pretty funny. So, like, all the... Uh, when they're just fucking, like, yelling at each other, and they start getting an argument after he's doing the whole, like, the power of Christ compels you. And he's like, oh, does it, Jay? Does it? <laughs> but uh, after that, it was the... Uh, they're all, like, talking, and fucking possessed Jonah Hill is still talking in the background, and they're like, come on, we need to take care of this, and you just hear him in the background be like, no, it's okay, take your time. Like, he's, like, just fucking talking to them, and they're completely ignoring him, but I, it's just funny. It's just funny how, and then they get into a fight, and I don't know, that shit's funny. Also, Jonah Hill, uh, the, I would say, earlier I was talking about, like, my top three favorite scenes, and, uh, the gun scene, dude, is definitely in that one, too. Like, right when the gun comes out and Jonah Hill takes it. Bang, like, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, I, <laughs> dude, I cannot contain myself. I can't. Yeah. And and that's typically, like, dude, that shit's, that shit's funny. Or that whole bit about the Milky Way. About how he, need, he, he needs a bite because of his, like, blood sugar and shit. Yeah. But you know what's, be- like, really great about that scene? That whole shit was all improvised it's all improv like that's fucking awesome like they said and it started at the scene or it started at uh jonah hill's line of i'll need a bite of that (laughs) and they and they they just went with it like the characters didn't break they just kept going and ping-ponging off of each other so i was like that's pretty good that's kind of amazing to me that they could like, think about that. Like, somebody gave them, and the movie cost like $40 million. Somebody gave them the money to make this movie, and the script wasn't either, either there was no script, or it wasn't even as good as this. You know what I mean? Because well, if they improv it on... did like a, like a guideline to it, but I mean, yeah, it, but it's a... Uh, that's a lot Sony. of trust. I know, but that's Well, that's what I'm of... saying. It's through Sony, so I feel like... They they definitely had to have at least eighty percent of a script, right? You would like think. Sony doesn't fuck around. Well, you hear all the time, like you know, they started making a movie before the script was finished, or they knew that they had to beat a certain date. You know, hey, Superman Five needed to be out by this summer, this date. So we just we ran into production, and the writer was writing the ending as they were starting to shoot shoot it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you hear about that stuff kind of happening, but that wasn't really the case with this. Like if they, maybe it was a scheduling thing where they couldn't get all these actors. Everyone was going to move on to different stuff. So we got three weeks to shoot this thing. So we all got to be down in new Orleans, you know, uh, in February. Cause you know, by, by June, we all, you know, we got to go on and do fucking greenhorn or whatever. Go go back um, to LA. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I know what one one uh, last bit of trivia I wanted to bring up is that uh, originally the um, title was well, there's a couple titles, but the, the last title before uh, this is the end was the end of the world, and it was changed to this is the end at the request of Simon Pegg, who wrote to Seth Rogen. They had they they had done Paul already, and they were friends. And Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright were about to come out with The World's End. And they were afraid that this is the end being called The End of the World would force the studio that did The World's End to change their name in reaction to this movie. Right. 
And Edgar Wright and, and Simon Pegg didn't want to change the world's end because that was the name of the bar. Right. So he huh. wrote to Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen said, sure. And they changed it from the end of the world to this is the end. Which works just as well, I guess. I don't know. That's fine. Yeah, I, was gonna, I knew that this this movie and Paul was being filmed at the same time. Uh, they, I, I, I did see, like, I looked into trivia, like, early on when I was uh, just doing some notes. And I uh, it did say that the first scene of This is the End, uh, he Seth Rogen just left the set of Paul and went to go pick up, like, Jay. And they did, like, the airport uh, scene. And and he didn't even change. So like what he's wearing and uh, and and that he was wearing at like Paul. It said in the movie Paul whenever like I read it, but I was like, he is an alien in that. So I was like, I don't. <laughs> I was like, I don't think he. It matters what he, the fuck he's wearing in the movie. But um, he yeah, might have been recording that. the dialogue at the recording studio or something. Or yeah, yeah, that's what he was doing. But I just I thought it was funny that it's like I don't see why it just said while he was going over his like, you know, dialogue or lines or something. Instead, it's like he wore the same thing in the movie Paul. Like he's not really in the movie Paul. <laughs> so. But yeah, this was definitely a good movie. I would definitely say check it out. Uh, one of the best comedies of the 21st century, for sure. Definitely. At, at least, yeah, I was going to say, at least for me. But Pato agrees, so. Yeah. You got our thumbs up. Uh, well, one more thing I want to bring up, just because um, I knew this, and it goes back to kind of what I started with earlier, where, um, you know, I said Seth, Seth Rogen always wanted to make Ghostbusters. And that was that was what his aim was for, and um, it took him a while to kind of build up the steam to start making those kind of movies, not just straight comedies like you know the Judd Apatow stuff or the Super Bad or whatever. You know, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do uh, Knocked Up. He wanted to do Ghostbusters, and um, one of the writing jobs that he got right before this was to him and Evan uh, patched up the script for The Watch. Which have you ever seen that movie? Yes. That yeah, uh, with Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, yeah. uh, and um, Vince Vaughn. A whole Vaughn. group of guys, dude. That's just and Jonah no, Hill. The end is fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's not 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 as good, um, but it's kind of like a Ghostbusters type comedy, very high concept comedy, I guess. Yeah, it is. I you yeah. know I never thought about. Um, I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah, that was so. The script was originally written by Jared Stern, but Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were brought in to uh, make it more um, current and funny, and um, that was kind of their their a, a first swing at doing Ghostbusters comedy sci fi hybrid. That movie was just you know I don't know it was just all right. I didn't think it was too bad. I wonder what. Uh... I don't know. I remember going to see that movie in the theaters too. I saw it. I caught that on home video or streaming or something, or you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Twenty twelve. So, uh, damn. I can't believe that. I just wanted to go see it mainly because of Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn together again. What was like? What Dodgeball was the last one before that? I think so. Yeah, it's been a minute. But yeah, this uh the watch was funny. 
I really, I don't know. I actually really liked it. On IMDb, it has like a 5.7. I'd probably give it a 6 or a 7, but I don't know, dude. This shit's funny. Like, when was the last time you watched it? Um, Honestly, probably at least five years ago, if not longer. Okay. Because, uh, I don't know, uh, the chick from um, The Boys is in it. Uh, the fuck what's her name the blonde chick is it star oh. starlight or light or whatever how old was she she must have been really young in that she was younger but i don't i don't specifically remember but will forte is also in it and uh fuck what's his name uh richard is it ayud or ayud yeah from it crowd yeah dude that guy's funny i like him a lot so i liked it crowd that was, uh, I, I haven't seen all of them, but I, I want to say I've seen at least probably half of that series. Right. But um, yeah, I guess I could see that too, though. Like, I don't know, The Watch, yeah, I, I guess it was probably just like, okay. It was kind of like in that realm of um, comedies that Jonah Hill was really a part of. Like, he was putting out a comedy like every year. And like after Super Bad. And I feel like he did... What was it like right before that? It had David. I think David Gordon Green was also the director. Oh, the sitter. The sitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, because which that was has, Adventures in Babysitting, but it was an R. It was right, very, yeah, very much Adventures Sam, in Babysitting. Yeah, Sam Rockwell was in it, and JB Smoove, and you know, the watch. You know, it, it, it. Even if you just look at that poster and you see Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, and the dude from IT Crowd. You can draw a line down that poster, and you can see that this movie is the crossover between two eras of comedy, right? You have the Frat Pack movies, you have Old School, you have Dodgeball, you have Wedding Crashers, you have the Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, Old School crowd, right from the from the early 2000s and then you have the jonah hill and the you know the the it crowd guy like that kind of and then you have the involvement of seth rogan uh and and you kind of have that next phase right it's like those weird years in snl when you're in between jimmy fallon and mike myers right we're like ah there's this period that exists when you're transitioning between the two groups and that's what this movie kind of feels like you know um, right. and then, and that's like, you look at like Zach and Mary make a porno, which is another Seth Rogen thing, <laughs> because you I have this, you have this weird marriage between, you have Kevin Smith trying to make a Judd Apatow movie with Judd Apatow actors. Yeah. And it doesn't really click. Like it's, it works enough because Seth Rogen, like, you know, came from the school of Kevin Smith, like the vulgar comedy. So like that kind of works. But it also, it's, I don't know. We gotta start doing Kevin Smith movies at some point. I can't believe we haven't done one yet. That seems like very unnatural. Well, we did Clerks 3. Oh, yeah, we did that, but. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, no, we've talked about it. I definitely want to do it. Um, I Do you really not like Zack and Mary make a porno? Like that much? Or No, I it's not, no, 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 no. It's not that I don't like it. In fact, the, um, that's that was my that was my safety movie a couple months ago when I got uncomfortably fucking stoned one night by myself, and uh, <laughs> I put that on to like bring me back to earth, and it worked. It, got, it did its job, 
you know, Kevin Smith is like comfort food. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. like fucking pizza hut. You know, it's, it's always good. Um, it's not that I don't like it, but I, I do feel, and Kevin Smith has even on, gone on record to say it is that he was, when he made that movie and to use hockey terms, he was looking at where the puck was and not where the puck was going to be. And he saw what Judd Apatow was doing with comedy and tried to do his own Judd Apatow style comedy movie using Judd Apatow actors. And what he should have done and what he ended up doing after is making his weird horror fucking whatever those like Tusk and Red State and shit like that. Right. And I think that for him as a filmmaker was a better route to take was to do something new and different and weird. Um, when he tries to, he he's a guy that like doesn't, you know, if you look at like Cop Out or um, a, a Paul Rudd movie, Overnight Delivery, have you ever seen that? Yeah. That was written by Kevin Smith. That was one of his first non-directing writing projects. Oh. And it was, it was those late 90s teen movies. It was kind of him trying to do like a fucking excess baggage or whatever. I don't know. Uh, road trip type thing. But anyway, that is neither here nor there. Yeah, I think, well, whenever we talk about Kevin Smith, I just, I, I really like Kevin Smith a lot. Uh, I think the only movie that was kind of eh by was Cop Out. Oh, yeah. I think that was the only one that I was like, probably, I don't know. That was the only one that was like, no, no me gusta. I even liked his, uh, the Goldbergs episodes that he did. I, I watched yeah, he did three of them, and I, I couldn't tell you which ones they were because it's been a while since I've watched them. But uh, my wife watched the Goldbergs, and when Robert England came back as like Freddy, I watched that episode, that like Halloween special, and then I watched the uh, Kevin Smith episodes just because you know it's Kevin Smith. My but wife I, really likes Supergirl, and I know Kevin Smith did a handful of those too. Yeah, I think. Well, he was doing that and. Uh, the Flash, yeah, the she Flash. watched right. She, the Flash, yeah. She liked both of those. I don't. She didn't do like. I didn't watch it, either one. Heroes of Tomorrow or the whole extended, uh, whole extended thing. Um, right. But uh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Do you see that he came out with a movie uh, in twenty twenty two called Kilroy Was Here? I don't really know anything about it. Oh, yeah. So It's like an anthology? It was like an NFT thing that he did. I don't I don't even understand. I don't want to act like a 42-year-old man, but I don't understand how that shit works. <laughs> it was something where like you could buy the movie or you could do something and you were the only one that has it, so someone bought it. But yeah, it was a horror movie he did. I think Chris Jericho's in it. Like he was like one of the uh yep, one of the, he is. Yeah. I don't Damn. get what that was about. I, you know what it also might have done is he got he opened his own film school. Yeah. Down in Florida. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think so. Something like that because his mom moved down there. So it was a reason for him to go down there and spend time with his mom. Someone made him an offer. It's not like, it's not like a bachelor's program. It's like a certificate thing. But you could, you could spend, you could pay $15,000 or some shit and go down there for six weeks and learn how to make movies. And, uh, he did, and he, I think that was a project with some of his students, too. There was a component oh, okay. of that as well. So it was like, oh, I get to promote the school, 
and then we'll make this movie and then we'll sell it on the internet. It'll be an NFT and I don't fucking whatever the deal was. <laughs> there was some shit about it. But yeah, it was supposed to be a horror anthology about, you know, that, that you know what the Kilroy drawing is, right? The thing with the yeah. nose sticking over the, yeah. It's like that's like there's some uh, meaning to that or something. Huh. Well, I guess I'll never be able to watch it. Yeah, it's like that guy that bought the Wu-Tang record. I don't know, eventually. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Yeah. Pretty crazy. All right, well. We want you to watch this movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 